Yeah, this is Pastor Teeter here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we are wrapping up a quick mini series on this topic called Heart for This House. And the heart for this house that we're talking about, well, specifically this house, is God's house and your house. Last week, we talked about God's house, having a heart for the lost and the found, and being a witness to a non-believing world by the way we love one another inside of the church home. But today, we're going to now take what happens in the church house, needs to happen now in your house, all right? Unlike Vegas, where what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, listen, what happens in the church house does not and should not stay inside the church house. It needs to spill over into your house. And so on a day like today, being Valentine's Day, what greater topic to talk about than how to love one another inside of your home? Because right now, we're going to open up God's word, and we're going to lean in a little bit more to not only this love, but what are and what is the ramifications of this love. And I think it's an interesting that we bring this topic on a Valentine's Day, a day like today, because uh, we this week, today, we're kind of wrapping up this two-week focus on called Heart for This House. Last week, we talked about having a heart for God's house, okay? Having a heart for, which is the church, having a heart for the lost And the found, that us as believers in Christ, which is really interesting, guys, the church, the church exists for, this is a weird phrase to say, but we exist for our non-customers. Think about that. Every entity, every business that exists right now is tailored to, right, specific people, right? That's what it is. And so, but we exist not just for the people inside, we exist for those outside. And so we need to have a heart for the lost, those who don't know God yet. And the found have a heart for those inside of the church. And the reason why I talked about that first is because until we get that right, we're not going to be able to get this one right. And today we're not going to talk about a a heart for God's house. Today we're going to talk about God's heart for your house. God's heart for your house. And here's something, guys, that I want you to understand. I want you to understand this. That how you live inside of your home tells me everything about who you really are. How you live inside of your home tells me everything that I need to know about who you really are. Because it's at home that it's really where your true you shines, right? You know, you you can put on that face at work. You know, some of you guys got that customer service voice. Right? I'm pretty sure, look, my wife's laughing because she, she, she killed it on that one. Right? It's, it's funny, like when she answers the phone, like, hey, yes, this is Mr. Longo. How you doing? Like, it's this different customer service voice that some of us just activate on, right? And we're kind of prone to do that. But then sometimes that voice is different at home, right? Maybe you, you, you kind of hold yourself to a higher standard or you act a kind of way outside of the home. But when you're inside of the home, that's when the guard comes down, right? That's when the guard comes down. And that's sometimes when the tension goes up. I've I've been guilty of this, guys. God has checked me on this multiple times. Because, listen, if I could have patience towards certain people, how come I can't have that same, extend that same patience to the people inside my home? In fact, he has checked me big time because some of the things that I wish I can tell, not some of y'all, not some of y'all, but some of the things that I wish I can tell to some people. Sometimes I hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. And then the wrong person gets the blunt of that. Feel me? I know I'm not the only one, right? I know I'm not the only one. The, what you could wish you could say to your boss, you end up taking it out on your spouse, 
right? What you wish you could say to your coworkers, what you wish you could say to your teacher, you take it out on your parents and you take it out on your kids, right? The frustrations that you have in life, right? And you just take it out. See, this is why I say right here, how you live tells me all I need to know, boo-boo, about who you are, the real you. And see, this matters because it matters to God. In fact, God cares, God cares about how you care for people inside of your home. And this is why we talked about the church house first, because it is in our relationship with God, in our relationship with God should lead us to having relationships with brothers and sisters in the faith that help to reinforce this relationship with God, which is that's what the church is for. And the better we grow in that love inside of the church house, that love inside of the church house needs to overflow into your house. It needs to overflow into your house. And so the better son and daughter, the better brother and sister in the faith you become, the better husband, the better spouse, the better wife, the better parent, the better child, the better friend you will be. So that's why the church house is so important. What we do on Sundays, whether online, especially in person, what those relationships matter. Because if we can't get it right in the church house, we're not gonna get it right in your house. And if, we're not gonna, if we can't get it right in your house, you're not gonna get it right anywhere. And that's why this matters so much. So let's look at 1 Timothy. This is our anchor verse for the day. 1 Timothy chapter 5, we're going to read verses 3 through 8. All right, so we got it online. All you, I got you. Anybody here, you know, again, if you don't have your Bible, I got you. We're going to put it on the screen, and we're going to read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 8 together. I'm going to warn you, this is going to be an interesting one. All right, so here we go. Paul is telling Timothy, who is a leader of this church in Ephesus. He's trying to help him to correct some issues that they have going on. And he tells them in this one section of the letter, he says, Timothy, you better tell everybody in this church the following, support the widows who are clearly, listen, genuinely in need. The genuine ones in need, support them. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to say those two words for me, practice godliness towards their, next two words, family first, right? Towards their, sorry, I missed the own, my fault. Some of y'all, y'all were good, my fault. All right, so they they need to practice their, practice godliness towards their own who? Family first and repay their parents. That's That's a good phrase. Some of the parents are gonna like this one. Hold on. Repay their parents for this, check this out. This pleases God. It pleases God. The widow who is truly in need, there's that word again, truly, genuinely in need. The widow who's truly in need and, key word, left all alone, has put her hope in God and continues day and night in her petition and her prayers. However, she, meaning the widow, who is self-indulgent, it's all about her. The widow who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So command this, Timothy, so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Who is responsible for whom? And the, the problem, if you read further on in chapter 5, Tim, Paul is telling Timothy, listen, this way the church is not overburdened. So in essence, this church is overburdened right now. Why? And this is not like a church like maybe some of you guys are used to or like maybe, you know, like a church like us. I mean, this is not like something that's super, you know, organized. I mean, this is just a crew of families that are coming together and helping each other out, being that support system. That's what the church is. It is a family of families, okay? And the the problem is that this specific church is overburdened because it's having to take care of people 
all right? It's having to take care of people that should be taking care of themselves. Feel me on that? It, it, it's trying to fund and the lifestyle of individuals that should be and are capable of doing something themselves. And this is where the issue is. So whom, who is responsible for whom? Now, obviously, you guys, you see the widows are a big deal, right? And I don't know about you, maybe depending on how well you've read the Bible, your understanding, sometimes we look at widows and we kind of think uh, just the negative, right? That they are the poorest of the poor, which a lot, if you were a widow and a poor widow back in that day, it, was, it wasn't pretty. If you were a poor widow that had nothing and no one, you had two options. Well, three, okay? You had uh, kill yourself, number one, okay? And the reason why is, I know, like, listen, if, you, if you're a widow with nothing, you had three options. Kill yourself because your life is going to be horrible from here on out. Uh, literally live a life of poverty where you're just going to slowly die out of starvation. Or prostitute yourself and make a little bit of money because it's the only way you're going to survive. That's a poor widow with nothing and no one. But the thing is, guys, the way I was looking, I was on, I'm going to be real. I was a little shocked. Uh, widows, not all widows back in Jesus' time or during Rome were poor. In fact, a lot of them were prosperous. It was actually, I kind of read something that around a third to almost a quarter of, of all property in Rome during this time was owned by women. All right, so ladies, where y'all at, right? So about a quarter, about a third of the property was owned by women. Because here's the thing, when a woman got married, the father would give the husband a dowry, Okay. Imagine a dowry as like life insurance. That's what that was. The husband wasn't supposed to touch that. That dowry was a significant amount of money that came from pops. And that dowry was supposed to be there just in case if the, if the husband dies, the wife inherits that dowry. And with that money, and by the way, she also got his house, his car, his stuff, right? She, that's what she got. So when the husband died, she inherited all of the husband's property. And not only that, with that dowry, she could go and purchase property, run a business, do some things. And so that's what women were. And so some were very prosperous in that time. And so we had some widows that were like that. Or also you can do this. If you were a widow and you got that dowry and your husband died, but if you were young enough that your parents are still alive, you can move back in to mom's and dad's house. And I know the parents right now are saying, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Once they leave, I'm locking the doors, okay? I'm, I'm changing all the locks, all right? I'm moving out. I'm not telling them where I'm at. I'm gonna turn my GPS off on my phone, all right? And so I'm gonna do that. Listen, if you had a family back then, you could move back into mom and dad's house, return the dowry to your father. And then once you're, you know, depending on how the situation was when he passed away, then you would inherit some stuff as well. Or you can just get remarried all over again. So yes, widows, there were some widows who were prosperous, but widows were also prone to abuse. That is why so many of them, they were, maybe the husbands would touch that dowry and spend that dowry when they weren't supposed to. And then, you know, or just bad management skills or scammed by somebody. That happened a lot. And so the problem was is that these widows that had nothing and no one were in trouble. And so God, God would extend and say, listen, you need to take care of those who are genuinely in need. Did you hear that? You don't just take care of somebody like, oh, don't give free food to somebody who literally can get at least a part-time job. Don't do that, okay? Don't just pander their just laziness. You can't fund their laziness in that way. And so, but the young widows were one that he was talking to here. He actually, when you read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, young widows are all up in this thing. And the thing is, is that what he, the problem with them is this. These young widows wanted financial stability with no direct responsibility. That's who these wanted. There were some people here that wanted financial stability, take care of me, but I'm not doing anything. Don't, I'm not going to lift a finger. I'm not doing nothing. Just because I am who I am, you, I, you owe this to me. That was some of these. In fact, Paul would call out some of these young widows because what they would do, God called, you know, Paul was calling them busybodies. All they would do is go from house to house. They're not doing anything. They're not serving people. They would just go from house to house and gossip all day and spread false teachings. These young widows were harming the church, 
hurting the church, hurting people from getting to know the true God. And so he's like, uh, yeah, you ain't going to fund them, bro. Don't do that because you're not, they're not helping. They're not lifting a finger. They're not doing anything. They want you to financially support them without no responsibility. All right. So some parents, we, we got we to gotta listen to that one. Okay. Funding people that don't want personal responsibility, not a good thing. But here though, but he says, but the real widows though, the real ones, the real ones are the old ones that, listen, they're a little too old. They're a little too old to remarry now. They're in their 60s. What are they going to do? Okay, they're going to start dating again? I don't know. It's too little, too little, little too late for some of these, right? These widows who are truly all alone, he says, and have nothing, take care of them. Some of these young widows, Paul would say, look, if you want someone to take care of you, don't go to the church. If you got kids, your kids owe you something. They should be taking care of you if you, ha if you have kids. Or, hey, if your dad is still alive, go move in with him. Or if you want someone to take care of you, get married again. But, right, if that's what you want, but you can't look to the church to take care of you when you want to do nothing, okay? That, that, that's the self-indulgent. It was all about me. But these real widows, did you hear what Paul would say? He said, no, I want you to give financial stability to those who have shown personal responsibility. These old, poor, alone widows would spend day and night, they would spend it praying, giving it. To, I mean, these, if there was anyone that had a reason to complain, it would be these people. But instead of complaining, they're serving, they're loving, they're encouraging each other. Whatever little they had, they were sharing. I'm like, oh, yeah. That woman, that's the kind of woman that needs honor. That's the woman that you got to care for. That right there is a real one. That's what they, the young ones need to learn from these, okay? They need to learn from these people because that's selflessness while the other ones are selfish. And so he goes in right now and Paul begins to rebuke not only the young widows, but probably her family members who were calling themselves Christians, who were saying, nah, hey, uh, won't you, you need some? Hey, won't you go talk to Timothy? But he got you. He got you, mom. You know, go ahead. He says, look, in verse 4, he says, um, listen, if you got family, if you have family, they need to practice godliness towards their family first. As some of us, if you were with me last uh, series, weren't we talking about training in godliness? It was also from Timothy, same thing. Well, notice, hey, training in godliness also, how do we do that? By the way that we treat one another. Training in godliness, practicing in godliness is how we treat people inside of our home. That's an important one. He says, towards your family first and then repay them, repay your parents. That's an interesting phrase there, right? And so notice that personal responsibility. Listen, guys, the church has a responsibility, but so does the home. All right, listen, if, if you're parents and you got kids, listen, you can br bring your church and bring your kids to church, right? And, and we're here to help you. But understand, if you're a parent, you're the number one discipler of your child. You just can't think, you know, I'm gonna just, you know, listen to the pastor for one hour a, a week and that's gonna fix you. And that's your job, pastors, your job to get my kid into heaven. It's like, no, okay. Uh, my job is to pastor all you guys from rebirth to new birth, all right? But I'm not doing this solo, all right? Don't put that on me, all right? That's not on me, all right? We're gonna do this together. We do this together. I got you. I can help you, but you have a role too. And so here he talks about that and he's showing them, listen, you got to practice godliness towards your family first. And so let me, let me say this, and this is good for everybody, no matter if you got kids or not, pay attention. Honoring your father and mother doesn't stop when you turn 18. Got it? Honoring your father and mother doesn't stop when you turn 18. Honoring your father and mother doesn't stop or doesn't, yeah, it doesn't stop when you move out. Honoring your father and mother doesn't stop when you have kids and you become a parent. Okay? and a father or a mother, honoring your father and mother doesn't matter if you got gray hairs. Okay, As long as your parents are alive, 
You were called to honor them. That is part of this. That is part of training in godliness towards your family first. And there's that phrase, which is an interesting phrase. He says, oh, by the way, kids, y'all need to learn to repay your parents. But this is the kind of payback that's a little different. All right. Because some of us, look, I know, I know some parents, oh, they, they can't wait for a payback. Some parents can't wait for payback with their kids. I know it. Some, they can't wait. You know, they, they can't wait for, it was like, wait till you have a kid and they do to you what you did to me. Yes, I'm going to be right there with a bag of popcorn, just, um, just living it, right? I can't wait for that day, right? I can't wait for that day. And I, I mean, it's always said that uh, parents, I've heard constantly that uh, grandparents, sorry, or grandchildren is a reward to parents, okay? So if you're a parent right now, God giving you grandchildren is a reward for not killing your kids, okay? It's a reward for not doing that. Congratulations. Here you go. This is going to be better now. Um, but listen, I know some parents can't wait. It's like, well, I can't wait for you to have your house so I can go in and leave all the windows and doors open so that your air conditioning bill goes up. I'm going to leave all the lights on at your house when I go. I can't wait to go to your house and eat all your food, right, and just leave the refrigerator door open. I can't, I can't wait to go and just throw my shoes off and leave my clothes all over the place. I can't wait till you have a family. I can't wait till you have some. I know that's like a little bit of payback, but you're silly. But the kind of, but there is, let's be real though, some of us tend to, some of us inside of the family, like I said earlier, we are making people in our home pay for the sins of others. That's not the kind of payback we're talking about here. When other people hurt you, other people do things to you, other people kind of take you to the brink and then you ha- and those inside of your home pay that price. That's not good. And I know some of maybe some kids who are growing up and be like, Wait, wait till I grow up. Wait, wait till I get out of here. You know, wait till, and like, you know, because maybe your parents have treated you kind of way. And you, you, your payback is instant, maybe, right now, by the way you talk, by the way you say, by the way you do. That's your form of payback. That's not the payback he's talking about here. Because with this, I want you guys to understand, uh, payback's a blessing, okay? Payback's a blessing. There's a good one that we're supposed to do. Because I don't care how, you know, I'm perfect, which no parent is perfect. They, all right, if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here, number one, literally, okay? If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be here, number one. Number two, they have done things, paid, given you money when they were lacking money, and so you can have those stupid shoes that you were just crying about, you know? Giving you $20 so you can go out with your friends when they barely had money, when they needed that to fill the tank, but they didn't tell you, but they gave it to you. You know, buying you all those clothes when they can't remember the last time they bought something new for themselves. Buying you food, Making food for you without you ever saying a thank you. Cleaning up after you with just because, like, they have done things. The most imperfect parent has done enough to help, and because of that, you are here. And so that, there is a level of honor that still goes, that still is owed to them, even for the fact that they're just your mother and father. There is an honor that goes, that should be directed towards them, and God calls that, listen, no, do you see that? It pleases God that we live in this way. When we get the right kind of payback by showing honor and love to those, that is, that's what's important. But then do you guys, you cut that climax, right? He said in verse, in the next one, he says, command this, so they live above reproach, if anyone does not provide for his family. Now, when he says provide, um, by the way, that's, that's financial, but not just financial, that's emotional. All those things, being there, providing is practicing in godliness, treating each other in this way. For those who don't do this, especially for those inside the home, he says, that person, if he's a Christian, he's denied the faith. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
See, here's, here's the, the situation that was going down there, and Jesus actually talked about this. You know that Jesus would call out people for the loopholes that they would see in love. There was in one in Mark 7, and Jesus would call out people because of this loophole called Car, not Carbon, Corbin. Okay, there we go, Corbin. It, this was a situation where, let's say I'm, you know, I got parents that are alive, and, and here I am, I got my situation, I got my career, I got my money, I got my stuff. But my parents are getting a little too old now, and they need to be taken care of. And what, I, what people would do is they would claim, hey, all my property, all my money, my, my extra, this is called Corbin. And Corbin means I'm dedicating it to God. It sounds super religious, super spiritual, right? I'm getting all my money, all my possessions, it's to God. I'm giving it to God so that he can use it for his purposes. Doesn't that sound pretty? That sound pretty, right? That sound cute. That's cute. Listen, Jesus would say, uh, flag on the play, all right? Flag on the play on that because the reason you're doing that, the reason you're doing that is because you don't want to take care of moms and dads. You want to keep living your life and you're like, uh, they live their life. It's my turn. That's flag on the play. You're wrong on that. Because see, what they would do is they would, the reason why they would claim all their extra stuff as Corbin is so that that way, when once something was Corbin, you didn't have to share it for anybody. You didn't have to give it to anyone. Not even your moms and dads, not even to the poor because it sounded spiritual. I'm giving it all to God. But see, once it was Corbin, you could still use it and you can still enjoy it, yet you, no one else can claim it. You see how messed up that was? And Jesus called them out in your face and like, liar, you were saying, oh, look how spiritual you are. No, you are ridiculously wicked for not doing that, for claiming this. Oh, you're doing this. No, no, no. You're so still called to honor your father and mother. There was another loophole that the church, in this case, back then the temple found. The people had a loophole in love towards their family and the church had one. See, Martin, later on in Mark chapter 12, Jesus starts calling out the religious and says, calling them, uh, yeah, guys, these people over there, all these people do is devour the estates of the widows. Estates of the widows, that means widows could own property and money, right? And so, yeah, these religious people, they claim to help the poor. They're claiming to help these people that have no family, that have no one. They don't know how to run their business. They don't know how to run their money. You know, obviously, maybe some women back then were uneducated because of the circumstances. And so the religious would step up. And they're like, oh, we'll take care of you. We'll manage your estate. But in reality, all those priests were pocketing, pocketing grandma's money, claiming her land, scamming the poorest of the poor. Jesus said, yeah, these guys, this system is messed up. This, not only you guys are messed up, the system's messed up. That all you guys care about is yourself. And then Jesus says, immediately after the priest devouring the states of the widow, he tells a story, and he, we see the story of a widow giving her final two pieces, her final two coins, all she had to live on, destitute, poor, pathetic. I'm sorry, that even in her heart, we assume she is giving out of God, I'm putting my trust in you because I have nothing and no one. This is all I have left. But at the same time, Jesus was calling out a corrupt system because she was putting her faith into a system that was robbing her. And that was messed up. So listen, there's no loopholes to love, guys. I'm sorry, especially to those inside of your home. Because if you do that, he says, it's like you denied the faith. Because how can you claim to be a Christian? How can you claim that the love of God has so marked you that you can't even love the one inside your home? That you're, this is how you treat each other inside of your home? No, you can't claim that. You can't claim this is right when this is horrible in that response. You can't do that. 
Something is not right. And there's that interesting phrase, right? Worse than an unbeliever. I mean, I mean, Paul's are really bringing the smoke on this one, right? What does it mean, worse than an unbeliever? God, by the way, I got to pause because some of y'all, and I know maybe not everybody watching here is, is thinking, wait a minute, man, I'm just here because I'm trying to check things out. What you talking about? What you saying about me, right? Listen, this isn't Paul slamming sinners. He's not kind of like, oh, if, if you do this, it's like you're worse than dirt, right? Worse than scum off the thing on the bottom of my shoe. No, he's not slandering unbelievers. He's not. What he's pretty much saying is, bro, uh, first off, Rome had a culture of honoring your mother and father. Like they were encouraging the same thing because this was a common sense thing. Everybody just knew this is the right thing to do. And so if you treat, if you mistreat your family in such a way, even a non-believer is going to look at you and be like, uh, bro, yeah, that's my, I know that's messed up. That's what he's saying. It was like, look, I'm not perfect, but that's Yikes, okay? I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. Look, we all got that, I don't know we got that crazy friend and that crazy aunt or uncle that, that you know when you're at the party, I'm like, oh, here you go, 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 you do that, right, go. And you know that they're down, right? Like, you know, we got that hype person that we know, we'll tell them, bro, do this, and they'll do it, right? Say this, they'll say it. We all know so that crazy person, if you're not, that's you, okay? But that's like a crazy person like that that would do almost anything, or that person that you, if you, hey, bro, try this. You know that, some, that person that would just almost eat anything, right, just for the sake of it. That's like you saying, it's like you saying that, that person's like, look, I do some crazy stuff, but I would never do that. Look, I might say some things, but I would never say that. That's what he's talking about. You can't, if you claim to be a Christian, bro, the non-believing world is going to look at you and be like, yo, I know that's wrong. That's messed up. Now, guys, and here's the thing when it comes to having a heart for our house. Okay, first off, this is why the church house is important because what we see here is what we need to understand for today. See, the church is a family. The church is a family of believers, but the church is also a family of families. And the church, and this is my heart for our church, that we, because all churches should do this, all churches should strengthen the families inside of the church and doing the best that we can to strengthen the families. My heart for you is that for you, when you, become, when you come to Tabernacle, you become family, and I want to make sure that as you're part of this family, your family improves, that you're learning to be a better husband and father because of what God is doing in us, that you're being a better spouse or wife and parent and child. I want to see your family thrive the more our family, church family, thrives. That's what it should be. What happens in the church house needs to spill over into your house. That's my prayer. That's my heart. That's what we're trying to do, to be real. So we're trying to do to be real here, but you need to understand that this is what we want. We want the church to strengthen families, but then also as a church, we should support those that have no family, right? I mean, here in, in America, we're here in Tampa, you know, we, we got immigrants that come here and us as a church, we want to be a family to those that have no family, that had to leave their family behind. That's part of being the church. The, the being a mentor to uh, a son or a daughter that from a divorced family that's a single mother, being that, being that you know, male figure, being that motherly figure, being that, that spiritual grandma, grandpa, for those that don't have them, being that spiritual brother and sister, auntie and uncle, that's what we're called to be, is to strengthen families and to support those with none. And it, no, did you notice, guys, it says it pleases God when we live in this way. Qualify or disqualify you from doing anything else. Because if, if you can't love moms, if you can't love your brother, your sister, how are you going to love this other person way over here? Starts there. So important. And so God has a heart for our house, and he wants us to have a heart for his house. And I guess I want you to understand that one of many ways, but it's a key one, one way that you live out your faith is by loving your family sacrificially. 
That's a way that you love your faith. How we train in godliness by extending the love of God to the people in our home. Okay? That's what matters. You live out your faith by loving your family, keyword, sacrificially. Paul, Jesus has a lot to say about this, right? Because Jesus would say, I, I will lay down my life for my enemies. If Jesus can lay down his life for his enemies, then we, through God's grace and his Holy Spirit, we can lay down our life for the enemies inside of our home that have our same last name, okay? Right? We could do that because of what he has done in him, you know, him through us. That matters. And guys, let me, let me tell you what that loving sacrificially looks like. It's, uh, Paul talks about this a lot as well, and I like the way Pastor Anthony Stanley talks about it. It's a game we play. It, by the way, you're playing this game at home. I want you to know online, everybody here, you are playing this game right now. You're playing this game, and it's either a win-win or a lose-lose game. It's not a win-lose. It's a win-win or lose-lose. This game is called a submission competition. We all play it. We all play the submission competition game, all right? But the way that we play it incorrectly is when we play the submission competition game, meaning you submit to me. That's the husband looking to the wife and saying, uh, you woman, already, if a sentence starts like that, you wrong, okay? But stop. Woman, you submit to me, all right? And that's when the, the, the wife, right, be looking at him like, uh, you submit to me, right? Uh-huh, you submit to me. That's when the parents look down at their kids. You submit to me. Oh, and them kids, some kids are bad. Kids be like, you submit to me. I run this house, right? And you submit to me. It's my way. No, it's my way. It's my way. See, that's the wrong submission competition game. Everybody loses. Even when you win, you lose. You play that game. But the right submission competition game is loving sacrificially. That's the husband looking to his wife, saying, baby, I already starting better, right? So I'm like, baby, I choose to lay down my wishes, my hopes, my desires, my, my wants to serve you. Isn't that better? And that's a woman saying, finally. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I was like, no, I'm just kidding. That was kidding. Stop. That's like, that's like the woman saying the same thing. When you got a, I'm, I'm, let's be real, ladies. You got a man that 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 is like that. Won't you be like, oh, I'll, my hopes, my dreams, my my desires, my wishes, my wants. I'll lay them down to serve you. And so here we're outdoing each other in serving and honoring each other. That's the same thing. That's that's the kids looking to the parents and be like, listen, I know I'm smarter than you, mom, but you know they think they are. They think they are. I know I don't get your rules. I know I don't understand why you this way or why I got to do all this, but, but you are good to me. And so I'm going to lay down my wishes, my hopes, my desires, what I think is right to submit to you and I'm going to honor you. And ask the parents saying, Johnny, Susie, whatever, right? I am not going to impose my will on you. I'm not going to live my life vicariously through you. I'm going to help you discover God's will for your life. I'm here to lay down my hopes, my wishes, my desires, all things, and I'm here to serve you. Guys, you see how it works all the way around? Tell me you would want to be. Would you want to be in that house or in the other one? Which house would you want? Obviously, it's the second one. 
See, and that matters, guys. That matters. Living, that's what that living sacrificially looks like. It's extending the same love that God has extended to us. And we're supposed to practice godliness. Notice he said, uh, it's interesting. Earlier in the letter, Paul talks about training godliness. But when he talks about your family, he says practice. I love that. Because what does practice imply? You don't know how to do it right. And you maybe won't get it right right away. That's what practice does. Practice means just get going, and the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And so there's grace towards this. We need to extend that grace because you may be doing your job, but the other one is not. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. That's, that's what we are called to do, loving each other in this way. And some of you might say, and by the way, and this doesn't, when your parents move out, it still matters. Remember, I just said this. There's, there is still, there's no age limit. Until your parents are still alive, you, you still honor them. You still have to care for them. Repay your parents. I know you got kids. You're dealing with them. But uh, you're someone's kid if they're still alive, and you need to repay them. Take care of them. And that's not just through emotional support. That might mean financial, too. When they can't take care of themselves, that matters. That's important to God. And so some of you might be borrowed. I'm too busy. I'm too busy living my life. I'm, I'm too busy living my life to take care of them and to take care of my kids. and to take. I'm too busy, man. I get it. I understand, but that's where God's grace comes in. When you do things in the right way, God will help you. Let me tell you a story really fast. There was, a, I, I, in reading and studying this, I read a story of a missionary who was, she dedicated her life to Christ, dedicated her life to the mission field, and she heard that her parents back in, at home were sick, not doing well, could not take care of themselves any longer. She left the mission field to come home to take care of her parents. And she had missionary friends rebuking her Telling her, don't you remember when Jesus said, if you love mother and father more than me, that you're not worthy of me? See, they, they misunderstood that. Because she was not choosing her parents over God. She knew, I am loving God by serving my parents. I am loving him. I am serving him by serving them. I serve God by serving them. She dedicated now those last remaining years with her parents until they passed away. And then she went back in the mission field and God did even greater things with that woman because she honored her heavenly father and her parents. She did the right thing. She practiced godliness towards her family first and God honored that. So I know you're busy, but it doesn't mean you can't do something. I get it. Oh, but this is probably the other one. This will probably be like the last objection. What if I don't want to? What if I don't want to? Pastor, you don't know my parents. You don't know what they say to me. You don't know how they treat me. It's the last thing I want to do is love them. It's the last thing I want to do is be patient towards them. It's the last thing I want to do is to be nice to them when they yell at me for no reason just for showing up. It's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to. You don't know. And maybe your parents are all old and, and they're moved out. I'm like, that's it. I'm glad. I'm done with that phase. What if I don't want to? What if they don't deserve it? Well, let me read 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1. John the Apostle says this, see what great love the Father has given us that we sinners should be called children of God and we are, exclamation point, like, oh my gosh. Like, look at that amazing love that God has extended to us and he just doesn't love us. He has adopted us and made us now his family, that we are his children. This is a reality. Look at what he's done. Because I get it. There's people that you don't feel and maybe they don't deserve that love. But guess what? You and I don't deserve God's love. You and I don't deserve God's love. 
And because of that great love and because who we are and who we are becoming in Christ, we can do miracles by loving those who don't love us back. And so that in view of that great love of God, you need to do what I've been doing this week as I've been studying this and reflecting on my life. And I've done this in the past and I'm going to continue doing it because there's no perfect parent. I know I'm not going to get it right. My parents are still alive and I got, you know, my, my in-laws are still alive too. And so I'm not going to be perfect at this hundred percent. But this leads us guys to now reflect on us. How have you, what kind of, how are you paying your parents back? Regardless of what stage you're, how are you paying them back? How are you paying them back by your attitudes, by your actions? By how are you doing that? How are you serving one another? Husbands, wives, Valentine's Day, right? How are you serving one another? Parents, how are you serving your kids? Kids, how are you honoring? That, this is an important one. And if I know, because you know what? I'm not the only one. Knowing this and in view of that amazing love, it should lead us to, number one, repent of our sins. Say, God, I'm not. Maybe I've been irresponsible with my money. And I'm, spent, I'm just making plans for the future just for me. And I'm like, oh, my parents will deal with themselves. They'll figure it out. God, forgive me for the way I'm acting or reacting towards those inside. That you, This is a family that, God, you have given me. God has ordained the family that you have. To insult them is to insult the gift that God has given you. And so we ought to repent of our sins, repent of our selfishness, repent of our pride. I've had to do that. Even just last night, we had to apologize to our kids because, you know, maybe we go off a little bit. We don't make them as, we have to do that. None of us are too big to apologize. We need to repent of our sins and say, Lord, forgive me. And that means some of you having to have a real conversation today and extending love on Valentine's Day by giving them the best gift that you can give them, forgiveness. And asking for forgiveness. It's an important one. That's an important one we were called to do. And then, all right, but what if, all right, pastor, I got it. But what if my parents aren't here anymore? What if I can't say? What if you're feeling a, a whole lot of shame right now because of the way you treated your parents and they're no longer here for you to say, I'm sorry. Or what if you're the only one inside the home and you're loving others and you're not getting that love back? Well, again, let me read John 3, 1. What great love, what great love the Father has given us. Translations, what great love he has lavished and he's poured on all of us. Listen, that great love is big enough to wash away all of your regret, to wash away all of your shame. That love is big enough to wash away years of abuse and years of mistreatment, either from others to you or you towards others. It is big enough to that. It is big enough to wash that away. And it is enough. It is enough to fulfill you. And that, that love that God gives us, we can receive. And that love fills in all the other loves that we lack inside of the home. It's in your heavenly father. You have all that you need. What great love that we have, that we should be called children, us, people like us that have lived and acted the way that he wants us and has made it possible for us to be his children. How can this be? And that should lead us to repay our heavenly father, not out of obligation, but out of a deep appreciation for this amazing love. And then we take that love now and we give that love away. The love that God gives us, we give it away. 
starting with those inside of the home. Listen, three things happen when you do that. When we practice godliness in this way, when we trust in Christ and he, his love messes with us and, and corrects us, three things happen. Your life will be impacted by his love. The lives of those that matter most to you are gonna be influenced. They will, I trust me. And those others outside of your home are gonna witness and want that, that God that is alive inside of your home. They're gonna want that. And so guys, I wanna challenge you even today on a day like Valentine's Day today, may we get lost in the sauce of God's love. May we get lost in that great love that shed was shed on the cross for us and is still running through all of eternity, through time to us today. May we just continue to put our trust in Christ, repent of our sins, receive the love and the life that we have in God. And may we practice now this form of godliness, just extending the love that God has given us. Let us extend it to those inside of the home because that is how we repay our heavenly father for the fact that he paid the debt of our sin through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we have. We repay our heavenly father because he paid off our debt. He paid off our sin. He's made it possible for us to have true life and true fulfillment. That is available to all of us. All you have to do is believe, repent, and receive that amazing love of God. And I want to challenge you to do that right now. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to take an action right now. This is now on you. This is the moment that I said earlier today. Right? When you get that Valentine's Day card, it's already pre-written, but then you got to add something to the Valentine's Day card, and you got to bring, you know, with that card, add a gift. Here's your moment. Here's the blank space of our service for you. This is the blank space of the card. It's up to you now to fill in that blank with your words. And God wants a gift. The gift of your love. The gift, I'm sorry, not even, the, the gift of your faith. The gift of you, your heart. You. That's what he wants. Heavenly Father, I thank you for that amazing love that you've extended and you've lavished on us by sending your son Jesus to die for us, Lord, for paying the penalty of our mistakes. Every wicked word, everything, everything that we've ever done inside of our homes, outside of our homes. Jesus, you came and died on the cross so that we can be forgiven of all of it, both now and today and forever. God, we thank you for that amazing love, Lord, that still runs through eternity even till now. And Lord, I pray in this moment that, that, that you, by your Holy Spirit, that your love just begin to wash over us right now, washing away sin, washing away, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. I know there's people here that I don't care how old you are. We got some adults here that are still God, have fresh wounds from words that their parents have spoken decades ago. God, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that your love, that you speak into those wounds right now and that those wounds begin to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Lord, heal these emotional wounds in this moment, Lord God. I pray that you, we, we curse any root of bitterness that lies in our hearts, any root of bitterness towards the way our kids are behaving or, mis, or disrespecting us, any root of bitterness towards the way Lord, that our parents have treated us or by other people have treated us. Lord, we curse it in Jesus' name. We bind it and rebuke it in the, in the name of Jesus and ask, Lord, right now, and ask Holy Spirit that you bring healing and healing and peace into homes right now, into, Lord, into our souls. Lord, may the fighting go down and may the fun increase and, the, and faith increase in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we just 
Claim right now, if, if you, whatever you are in your home, I want you to claim your house for right now for Christ. Claim your house for Jesus and say, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Claim it back. Take it from the enemy right now. I don't care if it, nothing changes right away. Claim it right now. Ask the Lord, God, I give you my family. I put my trust in you and I put my life in your hands. If, that's, if, you're still in, if you're dealing with that shame and regret, I want you just to right now start with God and say, Lord, forgive me right now. Forgive me. Lord, I have failed you and I have failed those you've given me, Lord. Especially for those of us that have called ourselves Christians. God, may we be better. God, I pray that you may lead all those people right now, Lord. For any one of us, if we have mistreated someone, God, I pray immediately you may bring to mind right now who they need to talk to right now, right after the service, God, that they may go and apologize to them or not even apologize to them. May they go begin a conversation and say, listen, you haven't asked for forgiveness, but I'm telling you now, I forgive you for what you've said and done to me. This is how it impacted me, but you know what? I love you. I love you and Jesus loves you. God, I pray that you may put those people right now in our hearts and minds. So Lord, you can transform their lives as well as ours right now. And for all the, for anyone else, I want you guys to know, you can't get it right in your house if you don't get it right in the church house. And to be get it right in the church house means you gotta be a member of the family of God. And right now, I want you guys to know that the sin towards your parents and the sin towards, that's nothing compared to the, our sin towards our Heavenly Father. And if you've never, if you, you're not gonna be able to get this right, I'm sorry. I don't want you to be a sophisticated sinner by just doing things a little better because that's not gonna make it for you. That's not gonna help you. That's not gonna save you. It's not. So I want you, all you can do right now is to allow God, okay? He will put that heart. He will give you a new heart that will be, give you a heart for your family. It's him. And the only way you can do that is by repenting of your sins, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. And if that's you, I just want you to pray with me right now and pray with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, God, if you feel him, guys, if you, feel, you, if you can't explain it, but you feel something tugging on your heart, that is God calling your name. Respond to that love right now and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. God, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I haven't gotten it right. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your life love, peace, and joy. And now help me to follow you. God, thank you for new life that I have in Jesus. And thank you that you gave me new life, Lord. We pray these things and we praise the name of our God because we know that, Lord, after this weekend, we know that there are some homes that are charting a new course right now. We believe it and we declare it in Jesus' name. And there are some homes right now, there are some children and kids and young adults that are living inside of a home right now that a future home now is already being altered. The future reality is being altered because of the decisions that they're making in this home right now. And Lord, may your glory and kingdom continue to expand in our hearts in the church, in our homes, and in the world. We pray these things with boldness and in gratitude, Lord. Amen. Amen. And if you believe it, you join with me and say amen. Listen, some of you guys have some work to do, all right? At the end of this message, I challenge everybody, listen, right now in this moment, after we finish that prayer, go talk to somebody, text somebody. If God has put it on your heart that you need to, number one, ask for forgiveness, it, you know, somebody inside of your home. If you're a, a parent that's realizing, you know what? 
I'm not doing my job. I'm, I'm not laying down my life for my kids. I'm asking them to lay everything down. Kids, if you're not honoring your parents, okay? Husbands, wives, if you're not honoring each other, submitting to one another, okay? Now's the time to go talk to that person right now. Make it right. Apologize. Say, number one, ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned. I've, I'm wrong. And then now go apologize to that person. All right? And for some of you guys need to initiate and say, listen, I just forgive you. You need to be willing to forgive other people for their faults and forgive yourself, all right? Because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And so that's what this kind of revolutionary looks like, guys. People who are not just hearers of the word, but are doers of the word, okay? That's the kind of revolution that God is looking for. We, we saw plenty of people at the end of that service immediately go texting people. And we were hearing testimonies of how God was restoring families and impacting their lives. And guys, God wants to do the same thing with you. All right, get started on it now. If you want a future family one day, hey, be faithful with the family you have right now. All right, be faithful with the family you have right now. Start the habits that you want to see in your family if you ever want to grow up and have that. All right, but no matter what, keep laying down your life, sacrificing, guys. Give it to the one who sacrificed it all, okay? This pleases God, and let our practice be fueled by God's pleasure and our pleasure in serving him.